Police in Atlanta killed an unarmed black man in a Wendy's parking lot, the latest addition to an ever-growing list of police killings. We got good LGBTQ news from Nickelodeon and the Supreme Court, so happy Pride. And we're talking to writer and editor Tom Guerra, who says if the last few months have seemed bad economically, well, just you wait until August. The date, June 15th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Casey, I think that my hair is about to become a victim of this pandemic. I don't know how much longer I can take not being able to get this trimmed. What are you going to do? I So I've been growing out my hair. This is hard for people to know because this is a podcast, but uh, my hair has been growing out for a few years now. And I just measured the other day and it is seven inches long. I have not had a haircut since September. And so I have bought a set of clippers and I think that it is time for it all to go. Like how much of it is going to go? Like, like to be, all. It's to like, fall- it's, yeah, d- okay. it's done. Like we're going back to the like, in my youth, the like half inch level of hair. That's what we're looking at right now. Okay. Well, I can see you every day. So I am going to require for our listeners that you take a photo and uh, post a photo on Twitter. I will absolutely, I will absolutely do a before and after. I will send it to you first. And if anyone (laughs) mocks me for it, honestly justified, I I can't blame them for it. Before we dive into today's show, uh, this Friday, by the way, is Juneteenth and we've got a special show planned for everyone listening. So ahead of that, We want to know, what are you planning to do for Juneteenth? Is it an annual thing for you, or will this be the first time that you're celebrating? Let us know. Open up your voice memo app on your phone, share your Juneteenth plans, and email that file to newsoclock at gmail.com. That's newsoclock, all one word. You can also DM us with your plans on Twitter. We're at newsoclock on there, too. Now then, let's get the show going. It's time for the TLDR, the most important headlines for the day brought to the top of your feed. Here are four things you need to know today. One, a police officer shot and killed a black man sleeping in a Wendy's parking lot this weekend, putting Atlanta into the spotlight of the still-growing anti-police brutality movement. 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks was in his car when officers approached him late Friday night. Brooks failed a sobriety test and then struggled when two officers attempted to handcuff him. After the cops attempted to tase him, Brooks grabbed one of the officers' taser and tried to flee. Officer Garrett Rolfe fired two shots into his back. Atlanta Police Chief Erica Shields resigned on Saturday in response to the shooting. Meanwhile, Officer Rolfe has been fired. Brooks's killing became a new focal point for protests against police brutality, which had already been taking place in Atlanta, drawing thousands of people into the streets. The Wendy's where the police shot Brooks was set on fire on Saturday night. It's not clear who set the blaze, but several people at the scene recorded a person they described as a white woman starting the fire. Two, thousands of protesters rallied this weekend in support of Black Trans Lives Matter after two Black trans women's murders within 24 hours of each other. Dominique Fells's body was found last Monday night in Philadelphia along the Schuylkill River. Meanwhile, Raya Milton was killed in Ohio early Tuesday in a shooting that local police determined was part of a plan to steal her car. The two women's deaths were mourned heavily online, especially since early media reports and the police repeatedly misgendered Milton and Fells. Their deaths were the latest in a string of tragedies and aggressions against the trans community. Last week, a newly released video shed light on the death of Leilene Polanco, a trans woman who died of a seizure at Rikers Island Prison last year. 
In the footage, guards can be seen failing to check on Polanco regularly as required. When they do finally check in on her, they can be seen laughing for an unknown reason. And the Trump administration on Friday announced that it will be rolling back health care protections for trans Americans. The new rule removes gender identity as a form of sex discrimination. As BuzzFeed News explained on Friday, quote, this means HHS, or Health and Human Services, will not punish healthcare providers or insurance companies that discriminate against patients simply for being transgender, nor will the agency have any regulation saying that that sort of discrimination is illegal. Three, a Black Lives Matter protester was found dead after going missing earlier this month. Oluwatoyin Salau, or Toyin as she was known, last tweeted on June 6th saying that she had been sexually assaulted by a man who had offered to give her a ride to some place to sleep after marching. Tallahassee police said they found Salau's body along with that of another woman, Victoria Sims, who had also been reported missing. Sims was 75. Salau was 19. News of Salau's death spread quickly on Monday morning, with friends and supporters remembering her and the struggle she'd been through in her life. Here, she can be heard speaking at a march in Tallahassee. Because at the end of the day, I cannot take my fucking skin color off. I cannot mask this shit, okay? Everywhere I fucking go, I'm profiled whether I like it or not. Like, I'm looked at whether I like it or not. And four, the Supreme Court today affirmed that employers cannot fire a person just for being LGBTQ. The ruling in the case, Bostock v. Clayton County, Georgia, was a surprise win for LGBTQ rights, with six justices voting with the majority. That includes Chief Justice John Roberts and conservative Judge Neil Gorsuch, who wrote the majority opinion. The case focused on whether Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 64, which protects against discrimination based on sex, also applies to LGBTQ people as well. Gorsuch, in his ruling, said, quote, The answer is clear. An employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Sex plays a necessary and undisguisable role in the decision, exactly what Title VII forbids, end quote. LGBTQ organizations were stoked that this opinion came down, particularly after Friday's disappointment. Yeah, when I woke up this morning and saw that news, I mean, it was it was such a surprise, but it also was extremely sobering to know that this wasn't passed till 2020. You know, the right to marry for same sex couples wasn't until 2015. And this past week two black trans women being killed. It's it's just like we have our ups and we have our many, many, many downs. Right. I feel like that means, though, uh, we'll take the ups where we can get them right now. And Mm. a six three ruling, that is something that you don't really see that often on so contentious a case in the Supreme Court these days. And honestly, mm, I love to see it. Exactly. And no one was expecting it from Gorsuch, you know? So it's just like, wow, okay. (laughs) All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. Good news. SpongeBob's square pants might just be an LGBTQ icon. This weekend, Nickelodeon posted a tweet that read, celebrating hashtag pride with the LGBTQ plus community and their allies this month and every month. And the post included several of their characters in rainbow attire, including Bicon, Avatar Korra from The Legend of Korra, and transgender Canadian actor Michael Cohen, who played Schwa Schwartz in Henry Danger. But also, they tweeted SpongeBob, <laughs> and the internet went wild. Okay, but to, to be fair... The tweet did say, quote, and their allies. So it's not 100% confirmed that SpongeBob is in fact a member of the community, but SpongeBob creator Steven Hillenberg was asked about SpongeBob and Patrick's sexuality once, and he said, quote, 
We never intended them to be gay. I consider them to be almost asexual. We're just trying to be funny, and this has got nothing to do with the show. But that was back in 2005, which is basically the dark ages in terms of gay history. I mean, Cam and Mitchell weren't even on Modern Family yet. That's how far back we're talking about. So we're just going to say that SpongeBob is part of the team. End of story. Period. That's that on that. SpongeBob gay pants is a thing. It's real. (laughs) I just wanted to say I love them for including... Cora in that tweet uh, when she came out at the end of that show. Very happy. I honestly have to say a lot of animated shows are way ahead of gay representation than live action shows. And if you want to go see some great representation, just head over there. It's just, it's awesome. And bad news, if you're the Kentucky Attorney General, you are officially on Beyonce's bad side. Queen Beyonce Knowles, first of her name, is normally quiet on social media, but lately she's begun using her platforms to advocate for social justice. This weekend, she posted an open letter to Attorney General Daniel Cameron on her website calling on him to take action against Breonna Taylor's killers. Taylor, of course, was a 27-year-old EMT in Louisville who police shot and killed while executing a no-knock raid on her apartment in March. None of the officers involved have been fired or charged with a crime. In her letter, Beyonce pushes A.G. Cameron to take action and break the pattern of nothing happening to police after they shoot a person. She wrote, quote, With every death of a Black person at the hands of the police, there are two real tragedies, the death itself and the inaction and delays that follow it. The next three months cannot look like the last three. So Cameron's office told BuzzFeed News that they are aware of the letter, but since Quote, the letter makes requests related to the ongoing investigation involving the death of Miss Brianna Taylor. We have no further comment. Imagine Beyonce being mad just for a minute. Imagine that Beyonce is actually mad at you as a person. I would like hide in my apartment for like months, which I'm doing already right now because <laughs> of this quarantine. But I would like do it for two reasons now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just flash back to uh, a homecoming special on Netflix Mm -hmm. and Beyonce telling her dancers that they need to all step it up and everybody like, you guys, I'm not going to give you notes if you're not going to take them. It's that same energy times like 100 in this letter. And so um, I I agree with you. I would cower at that energy directed (laughs) at me. When we come back, we've got writer and editor Tom Garrett with us to explain why August may be the start of a true economic catastrophe. BRB. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? 
Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. Welcome back. I think it's safe to say that the coronavirus ruined everything in an already shaky 2020. To date, more than 40 million Americans have lost their jobs. Many of them are currently receiving unemployment benefits in the United States. But today's guest says we should brace ourselves because things are about to get much worse. Yeah, today we're talking to writer, editor, and recent free agent Tom Guerra, who until very, very recently was with BuzzFeed News as opinion editor. He's written a piece called The Real Economic Catastrophe Hasn't Hit Yet, Just Wait for August. That has all of us up worried. Tom, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, Heiss. So, Tom, this take uh, was one of your best received in a minute. You said, uh, quote, The U.S. economy right now is like a jumbo jet that's in a steady glide after both its engines flamed out. In about six weeks, it will likely crash into the side of a mountain. End quote. So for the people who haven't read it, why is August in particular looking so grim? There's some kind of weirdly arbitrary deadlines that were set up as part of the government relief effort that was that has actually been quite effective in preventing the worst-case scenarios of, of uh, economic disaster in the U.S. So the most important one is that at the end of uh, that month, the government's unemployment benefits, which are basically a top-up, it's $600 a week on top of whatever the state unemployment benefits are, those monthly payments stop uh, at the end of the month. And right now there's no sign that they're going to get replaced by anything. And there are also some other deadlines approaching around then. The most important one that we talk about in the piece is that a bunch of different efforts to stop people getting evicted, basically eviction bans on a federal level and on a state level, they also expire. And so suddenly a lot of people are going to have a lot less money coming in and at the same time their landlords can start the process of evicting them. And yeah, those eviction prevention measures, a lot of them, they say that the rent that you owe keeps accumulating throughout that period. So people are about to have not just that month's rent due, but also the last few months rent due, right? Yeah. I mean, that was part of the problem with these eviction moratoriums is on one level, it's a good thing to ban people from getting evicted during the middle of a pandemic. It makes a ton of sense. On the other level, just banning the eviction didn't actually get rid of the rent debt. So even if people have been not paying rent for three months, the good news is they stayed in their house. The bad news is they now owe three months rent. Uh, you know, there's, there's all that accumulated debt that is, doesn't go away. In your piece, you mentioned that the economic prospects are so awful, not just because of COVID, but due to a concept called the Omnicrisis. It absolutely sounds like something from a Marvel movie, but how would you define the Omnicrisis? 
It's actually a concept that I, I lifted from a writer named Adam Elkis, who if, if, you, if people Google it, they'll, they'll find his article uh, that, that sort of coined the term omni-crisis. But basically what it's getting at is just that we're just facing this perfect storm of really bad news right now and all of those things kind of play off of each other. So there's a literal health crisis with the pandemic and it hasn't gone away. And that health crisis is sickening a lot of people, killing a lot of people, uh, closing down a lot of businesses, you know, causing real world impact. At the same time, there's a terrible economic recession that was sort of kickstarted by the coronavirus crisis, but now is like a force of its own. And then at the same time, we have a bunch of other social crises going on independently of all of this. We have a massive nationwide protest movement that looks like it's showing no signs of, of slowing down. We have a really contentious election coming up that could become, as you guys have talked about before on the show, a, a huge disaster if there's, you know, voting issues, if the legitimacy of the election itself gets called into question by either side. There's just so many different things that are all happening at once and all of them make all the other things worse. Uh, yikes. Uh, so wait, Tom, you've been a business editor and in the middle of all this, we've been watching stocks just go up and up and up, even as things get weirder and weirder. Uh, this Friday, they seem to finally shake as people realize that coronavirus cases are in fact still going up. Has Wall Street finally clued into reality? And how does that affect these looming deadlines that are coming up? I mean, I, I would say that one thing to remember about the stock market is, it really is a prediction sort of market or a gambling prediction system for the future. So what you have to remember is the stock market crashed massively in the middle of February. And in the middle of February, there was only, I, I don't know the exact number, but like less than 100 coronavirus deaths in the whole US. And in a lot of ways, that crash was a forward-looking crash sort of predicting how bad things would get, you know, if, if a pandemic happens. So on, on some level, the market rising again recently is a predictive thing about things getting better next year. What, what, what is true, I think, is that the markets getting more shaky do reflect some realization that like things might not be better next year, right? And there's more evidence coming out, I think, that you know, we're seeing localized kind of surges in new places that didn't get hit the first time around. We're seeing some pers persistent problems in the rest of the world in places that thought they dealt with this. In the US, we're seeing still like just incredibly inept leadership and, you know, the likelihood of new surges in new places and the existing surges not going away. I mean, even the talk of a second surge kind of overlooks the fact that we're basically still in the first surge. So I think on some level, you know, that prediction market does explain why things went up when they were at their worst, because it was looking forward a year. And I think on the same way, the fact that, you know, the stock market looks shakier today, you can definitely interpret it as more negative perception about what's coming. Like you mentioned before, there has been some relief from the government, but in your opinion, what should the government be doing to shore things up before the crash? Is there a solution that doesn't involve tanking the economy? I mean, you could definitely, I think there's a good argument and both and a lot of Democrats are making it and even some Republicans are making it that it's a bad idea to just end all the relief on an arbitrary day. And I think nearly any rational observer would argue that the relief should be phased out according to the conditions in the country, not just according to some date that you set three or four months ago. They should be lifted once certain, you know, metrics are hit. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, 
it's very unlikely that this $600 a week unemployment thing is going to get extended past the current deadline. So what you could realistically hope for is maybe that it gets extended by half or, you know, at least give people $300 a week, at least give people who are still unemployed, you know, a few more months or something, you know. So even a minimal version would be better. But I think ideally all relief should just be tied to the actual conditions in the country and only go away when the conditions improve. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Tom, this has been great and terrifying. Really quickly, I just want to note for our listeners out there that Tom himself has been impacted by the coronavirus economic fallout. He was furloughed from BuzzFeed News last week and would be an amazing person to have in absolutely any newsroom. I I completely agree with this sentiment. (laughs) Tom, (laughs) thank you so much for bringing this terror to us on this Monday. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Hayes. Before we wrap, it's time for Meanwhile on the Internet. And this one, like, actually really hurt my feelings, Ace. Oh, no, wait. I I think I have a feeling I know which one you're talking about. Is this about that tweet about Gen Z just absolutely fucking roasting millennials? It is. For for those of you who haven't seen it, Twitter user at local underscore celeb posted a tweet over the weekend that went very, very viral. It read, I'm awake at 3 a.m. and I just want everyone to know what Gen Z says about millennials on TikTok. And my God, the screenshots they posted are just really fucking brutal. Casey, I still have not recovered. Like, emotionally. Physically, because my back hurts now. I'm just feeling really old. But to really get across the Gen Z malice here, we decided to fire up the old TikTok and give you a taste of how millennials are being absolutely torn to shreds. Confession, I have never actually used TikTok before this bit. Hayes, you're just proving them all right. They were already right. Okay, let's do this. Baby 34 talking about I'm a Hufflepuff, like grow up and do a line of coke already. And they say, doggo. Oh, that BuzzFeed knows their favorite wine. Just gonna drink my coffee black. Or people that still say adulting. Millennials be like, yikes. I'm adulting right now. Ugh, I need to go get an avocado toast. We get it. You're a 90s kid heart emoji. Casey, why did they have to be so fucking accurate? Why? They they really came for Harry Potter hard. And um, I mean, like, after all this J.K. Rowling stuff, I'm like, cool, we could just, like, cancel it all around, you know? But uh, I, I'm like, wow, this is a lot of millennials, like, identity. And I'm like, okay. But now it sucks because we're being we're being torn apart by boomers and Gen Z. Like, right? we're getting it on both sides. It's all re- we're doing is trying to, like, pay rent. No, the worst part about it, too, is that anything I think about to come back at Gen Z with just makes me sound like I'm fucking 80. Right, exactly. Like, I saw so many. Back in my day, (laughs) we graduated with no jobs and had to pay for our internships. Don't you get that? We paid them to intern. Children, don't you get it? I'm rewatching Community right now and some like high school kids come in and like make fun of the group and oh all they God. do is they just like repeat and they just go, they go, you you had to pay for your internships. And so that's what would happen if you try and defend You're yourself. Right. They're just going to come back with that. You will never win. So all millennials have to accept their fate. He's just going to bully us. (laughs) You really broke my mind bringing up that community episode because I hated it at the time. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, shit, I hated it because it was too real. 
<laughs> Too real. Okay, if you want to watch some millennials flailing on TikTok and maybe get some good content out of the deal, follow us on TikTok at News O'Clock. And I'm sorry. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when the Washington Post Radley Bacco is with us to talk about how police in the U.S. became better armed than most countries' militaries. And remember, you're never too old to learn how to TikTok. You definitely can be too old to be good at it. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. They say, if you love something, to set it free. If it doesn't come back, it was never yours to begin with. Here at LifeLock, we have to say, What a load of bull hockey! All those nights working overtime, saving up all that money, paying off all that debt, and now some identity thief wants to try and set it free? That's crazy talk! The truth is, it can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. But with LifeLock by Norton, it's easy to help protect yourself. We help monitor your info and alert you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at lifelock.com aware. That's lifelock.com aware for 25% off. LifeLock. Identity theft protection starts here. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go in the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't.